the gay Christian, God and the gay Christian, Martin Vines, page two. For anyone who wants to know why some evangelicals find that the Bible does not condemn same gender marriage, Martin Vines' book answers the question. Christians who oppose gay marriage consider what he has to say. Tony Cambolo, Professor Emeritus, Eastern University, also of Red Letter Christians. So, that is, if you want to read the book, if you want to know about the book, they said if you're curious to why evangelicals, a type of, sort of denomination, um, they do not condemn they don't think that God condemns homosexuals. And God doesn't condemn anybody to start with. So, I didn't use the right word. God does not condemn. Of course, he doesn't condemn anybody. He doesn't just... He's holy. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. So, that that thing just tells you why you should read the book. Or if you are the type that is curious about this particular topic, why you should read this particular book. Excuse me. I keep hiccuping. It's not hiccups. It's just hair. I keep passing out gas from my mouth. It's quite disturbing. Page 18. Hmm. Increasingly, young believers in particular feel caught in. They feel caught in and repulsed by an often mean spirited theological debate about sexual orientation. They long for a charitable yet biblically sound message on this topic that is not at odds with the Jesus of the Gospels. Most young people today, it seems, know someone who has been rejected by family, friends, or church after coming out. Citing chapter and verse, evangelical Christians have typically offered a response like this to the gay believers in in their midst. We love you. It's your sin we hate. Okay, so who are evangelical Christians? What is their theology like? That is a question for me to go research. Who are you people? Hmm. To be fair, many Christians now support same-sex relationships. But those who do tend to see scripture as a helpful but dated guidebook not as the final authority on questions of morality and doctrine. But those who do, many Christians now support them, but those who do see the, the scripture as a helpful but dated guidebook. That is not my view of scripture. Wow. Okay, I was going to have a problem with people who see the Bible as a dated guidebook and not as the final authority on questions of morality and doctrine. Because that's the point of the entire Bible. If if you don't see the Bible as that's the point that's the point of our faith, the Bible. That's our reference. When people argue about the Holy Spirit and argue about different things and argue about this, we always have a point of reference, God's words. So if you start to say the Bible is just a guidebook and it's not a final authority on questions of morality and doctrine, what then is your what is your final authority? 
this this is a question to Christians who who think same sex is um doctrinal. No, they don't think doctrinal. They just support same sex relationships, and they treat the the scripture as a guidebook, as a um powerless guidebook. You know. So, what is then their point of reference? Um, but this, the person that wrote this book supports gay relationships and does not see the scripture as a guidebook. How does it see the scripture? Let's continue. Like most theologically conservative Christians, I hold what's often called a high view of the Bible. That means I believe all of scripture is inspired by God and authoritative for my life. Why some parts of the Bible address cultural norms that do not directly apply to modern societies? All of scripture is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen. That view of the Bible lies at the heart of our culture's polarization over same-sex relationship. Why much of our secular society and many mainline churches have come to embrace gay relationships? The evangelical church has not. Why? Evangelicals believe. Ooh, okay, it's going to explain to us. Evangel- evangelicals beliefs are based on how they read the Bible, and most evangelicals believe the Bible condemns all same-sex relationships. Today, that belief is coming under increasing pressure. For years, many conservative Christians supported efforts to change gay people's sexual orientation. Some still take that approach, but in 2018, the flagship ex-gay organization shut down and apologized for the false hope, pain, and trauma it caused. The failure of that movement has left evangelicals grappling for how to respond to the reality of sexual orientation without compromising their beliefs about the Bible's authority. Why? Why is the church shaky? Why is this particular church shaky like this? Not until I confronted my own same-sex orientation did my church's crisis on this issue become a fully personal one. But that crisis, as I was descri- as I will describe for you in the pages ahead, propelled me on a quest that has resulted in the book you're holding. This book is a product of four years of meticulous research. Okay, we get the point. Let's move on. Page 22. If you're a conservative Christian, that degree of change, like... What is going to talk about in the book? This, that degree of change might make you uncomfortable. If you're an LGBT affirming Christian, it might give you hope. If you're non-religious, it might strike you as unlikely. Moving on. Page 33. I apologize for that post. I got caught reading something. Page 32. Um, talking about his dad, yeah, when he came out to his dad, he had heard of groups that claimed to change people from gay to straight, and he asked me to read some books he had borrowed from our church on the subject. I was skeptical, but I read them. He read the books too, and we were both struck by how modest their claims actually were. These ex-gay organizations, for the most part, did not claim to be changing anyone's sexual orientation. They focused 
instead on changing people's behavior. For people who had been caught up in promiscuity, abusive relationships, or drug addictions, changing those behaviors was quite beneficial. But those changes had, those changes had no bearing on their sexual orientation. They didn't speak to my situation either. I had never been promiscuous or suffered abuse. At an early age, I committed myself to abstinence until marriage. That didn't change just because I was gay. I wanted to honor my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, but I also cherished the idea of one day having my own family. So I wanted to explore whether a committed same-sex relationship could be honoring to God. Okay, I see where he wanted to. He wanted to figure that out himself. <laughs> it reminds me of this lady on TikTok and Instagram. What's her name? I think Ariel. Ariel fits something. She she makes um TikToks videos. Yeah. She's a content creator. And uh they're mostly gospel things. You no, know, us talking to God, God talking to her, she talks to her angel, her angel talks to her. That makes so there's something she's known for for that particular phrase. He said, I'ma see for myself <laughs> every time. Um and it's usually in places where God where she goes to God me go like, Hey God, I met this guy, it's cute, it's fine, it's this, it's that and she's like it's like it's not the one. It's not the one. God is the one saying it's not the one. Like it no. He goes to church and everything. No, baby, it's not the one. Then she look at God. And God look at her, and they'll be silent for a while. Then she'll say, I'm going to see for myself. <laughs> of course, in the next thing, she comes to her crying. She had been warned. I'm going to see for myself. <laughs> she says this so much. But that thing is it's quite time wasting. I'm going to see for myself. I'm going to see for myself. You know, instead of complete obedience i don't mean to drag this person but i understand where it's coming from you know like um we know that god doesn't and like the idea of sex before marriage and <laughs> at least we're not contesting that yet i don't know if we'll ever start contesting that in the in the church but we don't contest that we know that our young people should abstain from sex so he wasn't abused he wasn't abused. He, he he was fine. You know, he lived a healthy, he had healthy childhood, and he also abstained from sex as a Christian. So, um, he's trying to see if because um at this point marriage has been introduced and you can get married to same sex. So, if you get married to somebody and you can avoid fornication and adultery, will your marriage still honor God even though it's the same sex? So I understand where that particular research question why he wanted to pursue that like no wahala i get it but i want to see what happens Mm. as a lawyer my dad weighed the evidence for the possibility of orientation change pointing to matthew 19 26 he reminded me that all things are possible with god yet after reading a fair amount about x gay ministries he realized that none of the evidence seemed to show god was changing gay people's sexual orientation so whatever my path forward might be orientation change was not likely to be it that realization answered one question for my dad but it opened up a host of 
a host of others, if heterosexual marriage wasn't a realistic option for me, what should I do? Okay. Leviticus called male sex, same-sex relations as an abomination and called it an abomination. And Paul condemns same-sex behavior as unnatural as much as my dad loved me. He couldn't disregard what he saw as a clear teaching of scripture. His parents were helping him sort it out. I like that. It's quite nice. That's it. You are okay. When this was when he came out, and his church members knew, and one spoke to him about it and said, "You are elevating your experience over scripture." A frustrated member of my church told me over coffee, "I don't accept that. You are elevating your." experience over scripture i don't accept that hmm okay i like that because i agree to some extent you know we're supposed to bring everything to christ so but this is what he says his concern would be echoed by many others it's often ex- it's often expressed like this our experience is a fallible guide to truth Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean out on your, your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall direct. And He shall direct your path. So, two Jeremiah seventeen nine reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things. If we simply do what feels right to us, we can be led dangerously astray. But this principle also applies to how we study and interpret the Bible itself. All scripture is God breathes. Second Timothy three sixteen. Yet our understanding of scripture can be wrong. In fact, our fallibility as human interpreters is precisely why i was asking others to study the issue more closely i wasn't asking them to revise the bible based on my experience i was asking them to reconsider their interpretation of the bible i'm just wondering did this guy mention the holy spirit once i wonder because here he's saying we should revise human interpreters are fallible fine from yeah okay let's move on um 61 okay here six passages if you want to write i think you write this part down six passages in the bible relate in some way to same sex sexual behavior Three are in the Old Testament and three are in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Genesis 19 tells the story of the men in Sodom who threatened to gang rape lost angel visitors. Hmm. Further, male sex, same sex in tacos was prohibited for Israelites in Leviticus 18.22 and Leviticus 20.13. In the New Testament, Paul denounced the unnatural same-sex behavior of Gentile idol worshippers. 
Romans 1, 26-27. Then in First in Corinthians 6, 9, it condemns the practices of Malaikoi and Asenokoitai, two Greek terms that make encompass forms of same-sex sexual behavior. Lastly, the condemnation of the Asenokoitai is repeated in First Timothy 1, 10. Later in chapters 4 through 7, we will examine each of these passages in depth. I learned that um, the things that the church should consider doctrine is if it appears in the Old Testament. Jesus said something about it. And then the apostles said something about it. So from the mouth of three witnesses at different times, and from Jesus overall, somebody that we can ultimately trust. Um, it's a doctrine. It's a doctrine. You can't you can't say no to it. <laughs> at least if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you can be something else. But as a Christian, you know. That's what you gotta do. If you want to live that way and experience God, that's what you have to submit to. Like, it's not by force. You don't have to be a Christian. You get. But that's what Christianity is. <laughs> oh, God. Please check my own heart, though. Because I don't know what I'm laughing at right now. Sexual preference versus sexual orientation. When it comes to eating and drinking, listen to that topic, sexual preference versus sexual orientation. When it comes to eating and drinking, we have different preferences. But despite the diversity of our palates, we still think of each other as having the same fundamental appetites, hunger and thirst. Our preferences vary widely, but we don't regard even major dietary differences as, as revealing someone's fixed food orientation. Take vegetarianism as one example. People don't become vegetarians because they are incapable of eating meat or or because meat cannot nourish their bodies. Vegetarians have the same drive as everyone else, hunger. They simply make a different choice based on different preferences and those preferences can change. You can be a vegetarian for a time but then eat meat again and your basic experience of hunger will be the same. Based on the literary evidence, Asian societies looked at sex in the same way. Everyone was thought to have the same basic appetite for sex. People's sexual preferences could differ as widely as their palates, and some people did express greater interest in one gender than in the other. There are even examples in ancient writings of men who expressed interest only in women or only in males, although the latter group was extremely rare. Even then, we can't apply the modern labels of gay and straight to ancient writings as easily as you might think. Here's why. In ancient times, even if a man expressed exclusive interest in one gender, his peers would not have assumed he was incapable of being attracted to the other gender. A man's exclusive interest in the same sex would have viewed would have been viewed along the lines of veganitarianism today. A different choice based on different preferences. It would not have been seen as pointing to a different sexual orientation. So, so did, 
so did gay people exist in ancient time if i had to guess i would say yes based on their exist existence across diverse cultures and societies today but even if that is true that doesn't mean we can label people in ancient writings as gay or straight depending on whether they engage in same-sex or opposite-sex behavior the reason why is that ancient concepts of sexuality were not the only things that differed from our modern context ancient practices differed greatly too i just paused <laughs> i just smiled a bit because i like what i'm doing <laughs> and i feel like my system has to adjust a bit because i'm sitting in my room yeah sure i'm the only one and i read during the day and now i'm talking about what i read and it's quite nice and i'm learning i'm just learning and things are falling into place and i'm I'm just thankful and i'm happy i'm content it's more like it quite content okay so back to what we're saying um i want you to have this point that it makes you in mind it compares it says in ancient times um people don't people didn't wear in particular the, the term sexual orientation didn't exist so people weren't particular about saying that they were either homosexuals or heterosexual or bisexual they didn't care about any of that so they just had that fluidity they could do whatever they wanted you know they could have sex with men and have sex with women. I want to share a theory, a theory that I have. But I also want to prepare your mind for what is going to say in the future that is going to be a slightly contradictory to what it's going to say here. You should know that books like this have like a very... They follow a certain logic. And the logic goes well from top to bottom of the book. Of the book. So... You have to know yourself and be very strong in your foundation to be able to read some certain books. Except you're trying to be convinced. You know, you're trying to look for evidence to support whatever it is that you already believe. Okay, so if you believe that Christians um, should believe in same-sex marriage, then you, sh- you will read this book and read it to absorb points that you use to argue with your friends or people when they come up with things that's how you're going to read it because you're already biased and you've already picked your side so i'm not even trying to deny that i have a side i do have a side and i'm reading my book based on that reading this book based on that and i like to say let's just continue let's continue (laughs) let's continue um with this with this now um, remember that the saying there's a whole lot of fluidity when it comes to sexual orientation and you can't really um, make you shouldn't really make somebody you don't have to make somebody choose um stick to a particular um what's it called a particular diet it doesn't have to be strictly male diets doesn't have to be strictly female diets and in those days if you look at those olden days too, all those I say olden. Um, if you look at those days too. Um, and you look at the Bible. You won't find words like sexual orientation. You won't find words like gay. 
<laughs> you will find things like that. So you also have to be aware of that. Let's move on from here. So we can finish this podcast. Page 86. So how do we... The modern understanding of sexual orientation. So how do we get to where... How did we get to where we are today? The modern understanding of sex, homosexuality as a sexual orientation began to develop among an elite group. Elite. 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 I'm not pronouncing the, that word right. I'm not. I have to check that out. Group of... An elite group of German psychiatrics in the late 19th century prior to 1869 terms meaning homosexual and homosexuality didn't exist prior to nine to 1869 okay they didn't exist in any language and they weren't translated into english until 1892 even then why some doctors began to think of same same sex orientation same-sex attraction as an exclusive sexual orientation. That understanding didn't begin to gain wide acceptance until the middle of the 20th century. It would be understandable to ask, given the history we just explored, how confident we can be that same-sex orientation is indeed a permanent exclusive characteristic and not just a passing idea. You should think about that. But if there is no fixed sexual orientation, that may be more reasonable. I don't know. That there's no fixed sexual orientation. Just preferences. Then how do we account for the failure of the ex-gay movement? Countless men and women who desperately wanted to change their orientation have failed in that endeavor, even with the assistance of individuals and groups who were fully devoted to the ex-gay cause. Yes, human sexuality is complex, far more complex than we will likely ever understand. But even though past societies did not recognize it, the fact is now undeniable that gay men and women exist. Even though past society did not recognize it. They did not make a big deal out of it because they thought it was normal. It's not as if they didn't recognize it. What are you saying? Don't piss me off or you've been going well. As well as you can go. Many of them grew up in Christian households. And many continue to place their faith in Christ. The question is not whether gay Christians exist. It's simply... How would the church respond to them? Okay. It's, but it's not new. Some non-affirming Christians have acknowledged the existence of same-sex orientation only to argue that the idea isn't actually new. But it's not. It just took us back to issue and told us that people had fun and did whatever they wanted to do. But it's not new. They often point to a handful of ancient texts to support that claim. You just did the same thing. Am I the only one getting confused here? Why this chapter's wide-ranging analysis makes makes that theory implausible? I have addressed some additional questions in the end notes, but ultimately, we don't need to get caught in the weeds of ancient texts to answer this objection. 
there is a simple clear test we can use as i have described the traditional interpretation of the bible affects gay christians in a unique way it requires them to be single and celibate for life who said that <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i think this was big because i really highlighted that place like that was where i started to think like what is this guy saying okay maybe i shouldn't blame him maybe he heard it somewhere but who are those people that told you that what is going on <laughs> if past societies share similar understandings of sexual orientation we should expect them to make note of that requirement but they do not I have not been able to find any Christian writings prior to the twentieth century that acknowledge that lifelong celibacy is necessary outcome. You've not been able to, f- okay, prior to the twentieth century, okay. I don't think because the church never really um. The church always just saw it as sin. They just didn't. They didn't think. They just saw it as sin as something that people, um, hid from their family members and and got married and had children and forgot about and occasionally doubled in and went to confession for <laughs> you know that's what they thought of it so definitely they won't have writings about that and trying to provide solutions it's just only now that it's becoming it became i don't know 21st century it became a big deal so they started writing that's what i think i think that's the most logical thought process so uh, he has not been able to find any Christian writings prior to the 20th century that acknowledge that lifelong celibacy is necessary. And I don't think anybody... Who are the people... Anyway. Outcome for those who are incapable of heterosexual attraction. Instead, all Christian writings before the past century that mention same-sex behavior carry this implicit assumption. Even if some people are more tempted by same-sex relations than others, no one is exclusively oriented toward members of the same sex. Oh, so those people were even smarter than the present 20th and 21st century Christians. Well, clap for yourself. This means that the church, the church's explicit requirements that gay Christians commit to lifelong celibacy is new. And why some argue that we cannot allow experience to lead us to new understanding of scripture, our forefathers have done so forefathers i thought you said it's 20th century what forefathers is it like the older older christians or this or the 20th century people that came after the 20th century i think after the 20th century is what it means to say forefathers is quite confusing there though um he said talk about that whole celibacy thing how people wanted to be celibate i think that is what christians always advise you know when you can't necessarily change your sexual orientation because i don't think it's something i think the problem just starts from the fact that we never should have thought of our sexuality as something um rigid rigid i mean we should have thought of something facing god like god is basically i say i'm being i'm being absolutely serious here it might sound cringe but i'm there's something i realized today because if it's so confusing, we can't turn to this side. We can't turn to being completely heterosexual. You get confused and you start obsessing too much about heterosexual relationships. It's happened to me. I'm a testimony of... I'm like a witness of that. Don't do that. 
and you can't desperately also turn to homosexual relationships so your identity your sexuality has to be god and then when you start looking through the bible god will provide you a meat and it will most likely not be a man if you're a man and you'll most likely not be a girl if you're a girl that's just now that's not how god did it i'm sorry i had to break it to you but yeah that's how it's going to be but the lesson is to learn how to give yourself to god fully no man even if you like if you're a woman no man even if if you like um, women and you're a man no women just give yourself to god fully i say this knowing fully well that immediately you get to a point in your teenage years you just start to date people and you keep on dating people and you keep on dating people until you actually get somebody and get married to them that's the tip that's the life of many people nobody actually takes the time to be single i'm single hi um and i'm not searching actually um so many people don't take time to be single i had up until early this year was it early this year no last year late last year i was also in that um circle of people that needed deliverance from almost heterosexual relationships not even homosexual people just you think it's only one thing we need deliverance in like different parts of our life and god had to like yank it out of me forcefully i bled a lot i cried my eyes out he had to yank it out of me then give me something bigger like something really really big to fill it so you need god to fill to fill you up this is there's a huge if you are actually going to this thing is hard i'm i'm it's just hard i'm sorry but it's hard and if you really want to experience god's love don't accept just random things don't do that first of all don't do that you're about to confuse yourself because in this book he accepts himself fully that his sexual orientation is gay and then he goes on to tell us that the sexual orientation from the past tracing it from the past was a be fluid and people could do whatever they want and he gives us the analogy of you know veganism and you um picking the whatever you wanted and it's not as if you don't see meat or you don't maybe have the desire for meat but you've chosen to live a certain life because of your principles so and sometimes you might eat meat it doesn't mean anything you just you forgot about your principles you might eat meat you might even decide not to be a vegan anymore and do what you want it's your preference that's what he's trying to say so if he's saying that largely our sexual um what we know as our sexual orientation is just largely preference and the book i read the other yesterday um says mostly that our sexual orientation is is largely from hormonal um the way hormones work when we're in our mother's womb and the experiences that we have when we're really really young that extends into our teenage life before we then you know start to think a lot about sex whenever it manifests in your life Sha, your sexual orientation is not necessarily like you know it's from that was a muslim book um um islam and homosexuality i think that was the title of the book 
Yeah, that was the title of the book. Homosexuality in Islam. Yeah. Um, you can listen to that if you want. I didn't really find it very... I didn't appreciate the book. Maybe I should have read something else on Islam. But it was quite tedious to read, to get through. So, what that was... That was a, a part of it. A part of that book said that... You know, that it's based on the moons and so many things. And now this other guy is saying it's not even entirely... Those agree... Those ideas can coexist. You know, they can both be true at the same time. Because... um. If it's if your hormones affect it and the things that you're exposed to as a child affects your sexual orientation in quotes, then and your society is just the type that they don't really mind. You know, you might actually you might be a guy and prefer guys more, but you're also having sex with women. You're procreating things like that. That's how their society worked. So it's not as if you know you can just. Yeah, of course, you can be absolutely gay. You can say that women absolutely disgust you or things like that. That's your decision. You That's how you feel, whatever it is. You can think all of that. What was my point here? Why did I go off on this tangent? Um, okay, I, I think I was trying to say that for Christians, God should be at the center of our sexual orientation. We should learn to love him and only him. Mm. and most of all these things all these things that we're dealing with it's just lost my brothers and sisters it is lost it is lost (laughs) i said that because i keep telling you i've done that i've been through that before last year that you have to rip it out of me and the only thing you can do the only way out is not to make the decision first. You can't do that. You can't do that first. He made the decision of saying, okay, I've accepted myself as this. Did God tell you that? Did God say, hey, man, Matthew, Matthew Vines, hey, boy, you are gay. Did God tell you that? Like from his word, did he say, hey, you are gay? All these things that God talks to us about, it doesn't tell us what homosexual but it tells us that it gives us a helper and the helper is the opposite sex it tells us that at least so but most of the things that god tells us are although he has never told us to be gay let's just let's call it what it is he has not told us once that hey you are gay and you are happy and we, we accept you and he has never said that Yes, never. And you know, you know that as Christians, we get our identity with the Bible. We cannot form identities for ourselves. We suck. We suck at things. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't even fully project the, the thing that we want to project as children of God, by the way. We can't even do that. So it's quite hard and you have to rely on god a lot you have to rely on god a lot you can't make a decision then start going to gallery for evidences you are already biased you are compromised already we cannot trust you as a source if you made the decision first you accepted the identity that okay yeah i feel all these things i have been feeling all these things and so i'm this do you know you know when, when we are young and you're born into a poor family I'm using poverty now because I feel like all of us agree on poverty to some extent. We know that even about money, before you even get money, there are some mindsets that you have to change. And these are mindsets that 
you were basically indoctrinated in your womb because you shared the same blood with your father and mother. You you were born in the house. You were socialized in that house. You don't even know that that's not the way you're supposed to think if you want to attract and receive some things. You know, you know you're not supposed to think that way. But it's just there. Like from, from poor education, from not being around the best people, from not having proper guidance or from your guidance not even being educated themselves or not knowing better you are just arranged that way do you know the number of things that you have to break away from and it says here that sexual orientation is largely is less about those people that try to change you you know those ex-gay communities that try to change you from being gay to becoming straight that they were not changing sexual orientation they were changing behavior that is the only thing they can work with in that poverty place you think you change what do you even want to change is the behavior you change is the thought process you change it's how he sees himself that yeah, you change is the transformation that you change is not you don't change transformation is the transformation that you incorporate into his system that you make sure that he keeps um thinking and you keep rewiring his brain and it takes time that's why it takes time that's why a lot of people are poor there's so so many things involved it's a spiritual thing you have to pray you have to keep fighting to to think a particular thought you have to keep believing that god is very determined to bless you and that you just have to clear so many things away from your life and put yourself and keep learning and put yourself in a place where you can have more experiences and then solve problems and do things so many things to learn so now you now i can't believe then that you just decide to oh, accept one particular random thing it's, it's then ridiculous I'm, I'm not just poverty there are so many things in our life that we have to change and that's been with us since birth imagine someone thinking that um growing up in a house where the men beat the women and they just think it's normal do you know after a while when they've grown up they will just they will continue to think it's normal do you know how how much guilt they will feel when somebody introduces another system into their life that no we don't beat women in this place Let, okay let's talk about slavery do you know how much um like just at the back of the, these black people's minds some of them anyway who were not very strong mentally even those who were strong mentally they would have, and maybe they were not beaten. They were probably enjoying whatever. They would have still felt like, okay, let's just go back to being slaves. At least we had work. At least, I guess that was the problem with Egyptians or with Israelites when they were freed from Egypt. Because that happens sometimes. You think you're best or like you're very evolved, but that's what happens to you. That's why we keep fighting. That's why we ask God for help. That's why we ask the Holy Spirit for help. That's why we keep pushing. But you can't just accept something and then move on from it. And even your argument somehow supports um, you not accepting things, you know, and you making a choice about things. And it then goes on to say, like, see, what is to me with this thing? What I was trying to say is, like, trust God, bro. Like, there's, there's nothing you can do again. I would trust God to teach you. And don't make the decision when you don't make the decision when you are completely empty it takes seeing it's hard work i don't um i don't subscribe to just telling people that okay you are you have homosexual proclivities so just go and get married to somebody what does that do 
Do you know how much reading of the mind that they have to do? Do you know how much transformation they have to go through? Do you know how much they have to learn? You say you have just gone through them in a in an homosexual in a in a heterosexual relationship as if that's the cure for anything. God is the cure. Let them face face focus on God. The more they look at him, the more they become him. You want to look at another human being. Wow. Clap for yourself. <laughs> The people that recommended that were probably trying to help, but they did not really think it through. They didn't think it through very well. They didn't think it through. That's not even I don't even give anybody that advice again. If anybody's gay around you, don't tell them that um they should go enter a relationship. For what? Why? They'll make the other person sad and make themselves sad and reaffirm to themselves that they can never be good in a heterosexual relationship. When they've not learned anything and learn to renew their minds. So please, this thing is a lot of hard work. To be transformed is a lot of work. Trust me, it's a whole lot of work. But people rather accept themselves or some something because their childhood confirms it. After all the things that we're learning these days about healing from trauma, and now sometimes how we see the world is not really how. It's just our twisted memories. Every time you revisit the memory, it basically changes. So <laughs> imagine. God, we can't even trust ourselves. <laughs> okay. I just I want to get to the solution, but I keep talking one more. The solution is when you empty yourself out, only God can help you do that, actually. Sometimes it's very rough to empty yourself out. In my case, it was very sharp. Um, it pulled it out of me. Literally. I cried. A lot for weeks. I wrote plenty songs that I'll probably never sing about it. And then I was really, really empty. And then it gave me a purpose. It gave me something to look forward to, to aspire to. And it was big. It was bigger than me. It was scary and big that it distracted me. It didn't immediately give me that too because I had to cry. It let me cry for a while for like two weeks two three weeks then he gave me a small task that was also big big enough to distract me then after i completed that and he blessed me he blessed me because of that task that task that i did just to comfort me like hey my baby um then he gave me like a really 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 big one for something that i'll probably work on for a long time in my life um so and even with my purpose that was just to motivate me I needed him for that. And it was big enough, bigger than my purpose, bigger than my pain, bigger than everything that I felt was missing in my life. So that's how we fix things. That's how we do things. But nothing is going to change if you have chosen to believe that something from your childhood or this is how you are. There's, there's absolutely nothing like that. Like, this is how I am. From where people that say this is how I am, I usually just walk away from them. This is how you are. And you can't change. Ah, you don't love me enough. That's what you mean. That's what it means. That's what it means. So, all of this I said, I hope you recognize that I say it in love. And if you, you want to go ahead and share this with somebody else, hmm. I think you should go ahead and do that. And from reading this book, from reading this book, I learned that because I used to feel, um, I don't know, a bit 
um cowardly in my mind thinking that um people that homosexuality homosexuality was just something that was very prominent in America. I know they're the ones with all the protests, they're the ones with the revolution and all of that. So I thought so in my mind I always I still always felt caged, do you know? Because I still felt frightened that okay, it will come to my country now, what are we going to do about it? But then I realized that from reading this book or reading the other books, I realized something today that I was just scared for nothing. This thing is everywhere. <laughs> this thing is everywhere. It's just not out in our streets. Like it's it's literally everywhere. When you walk past somebody, um, they could have slept with a girl, if they were girls, or if it's a guy, they could have slept with a guy. You know, it's not something. I don't travel. I feel very very free about it now. Like it's just a sin. It's just a sin. It's like stealing me from your mother's pot. I also had to be stopped from doing that. One is other than the other because I can't really compare your well, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say one is harder than the other. It's just the cross you have to carry if you call yourself a Christian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some things are just hard to accept. But it takes time. You don't want to hear my words today. And other times you want to hear it. It takes time. It takes grace. Just keep asking God to help you. It's the one that can help you. So I love you. Bye bye.